0: People don't know what it is to be champions. Oklahoma, we Intercepted. Marshall picks it off. The big
1: oh, oh, The 10 of The 23.
2: This is the Under the Visor Podcast. From the OU Insider Studios, here's your host, Brandon Drum.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to another OUInsider.com under the visor podcast where you have myself, Brandon Drum, Colin Kennedy, Parker Thune. Uh, we haven't podcasted, I guess it was the week before, uh, the Relique Brown commitment. So I we're gonna start off with that. I know a lot of people want to hear our thoughts on all of that stuff. Uh, we're gonna talk about Relique Brown, we're gonna talk about basketball. We had crystal ball day on two, four, seven sports this past week. We're going to talk about that. And we're also going to talk about the new 50% off at the end of the podcast, 50% off that we're going to run for two weeks on OU insider.com. We're not only going to get 50% off, but you're going to get paramount plus, which is starting in March, which is going to be massive. I know everybody's seen those commercials with the movies, the, the shows, whether new or old, the live television, the live sports, live TV, all that stuff is going to be incorporated in that Paramount plus app. And you're going to get that for free instead of paying the 1299 or whatever you got to pay a month. You're going to get half off of OU insider plus Paramount plus. If you sign up the, for the next two weeks, starting on Friday, the 19th of February, if I remember correctly. Uh, so you guys got to make sure you get that, but Having said all that, let's let's talk about talk about Relique Brown real quick, guys. Uh, you got the five star wide receiver, D, or running back that he came out and posted a photo where we had talked about him being a wide receiver and running back on OU Insider for a while, and he comes out and posted a photo, an edit of him with a wide receiver in his uh, locker, I guess for lack of a better term, in his locker area, um, wearing the number, was it three? It was three, right? It was three. It was number three. And so I, I retweet quoted and said something of the effect of, yeah, we talked about that, blah, blah, blah. I know you, Insider, and being a wide receiver, among other things, running back, kick returner, punt returner. And he, like, subtweets and says, I'm a wide receiver running back. Did y'all see that?
1: The WRB. I thought it was clever.
0: Yeah. I like WRB. Yes. So uh, Colin, let's, we'll start with you real quick. What's your overall thought on the pickup of Relique Brown? Because I think it's a rhetorical question. I mean, he's a great player, five-star out of modern day high school in Los Angeles, California. You can't get much better than what he does on the field. And I'm going to tell you all right now, OU is done at wide receiver. I know everybody wants the Brennan Thompson thing. Unless somebody drops off, I don't see Brennan Thompson in the class. I mean, that, I'm just talking through sources of what I've heard. But, Colin, what is your thoughts on Relique Brown and his overall – what is OU getting? Explain it to the fans. What is, what is Oklahoma getting?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is arguably the most versatile playmaker in the class of 2022. And we talked a little bit about it before the commitment. But at the same time, I mean, it's just worth mentioning the fact that this guy is essentially someone who could step in and play numerous roles in your offensive system. And I think when you look at, obviously, the the commitment here, I think to a degree, it's somewhat of a mutual agreement between prospect and coaching staff. In the fact that they both see a future that has Relique Brown being basically the focal point of one of the most efficient offensive systems across the country. And a lot of that has to do with, obviously, his versatility as someone that, I mean, we've compared to Percy Harvin or a numerous of other guys who have been able to play similar roles at the collegiate level. But at the same time, I he he has shown this staff with their own eyes that he can essentially route you up or carry the rock. And I think that moving forward, there was just kind of this mutual understanding between Relique and Lincoln Riley and his offensive staff that, Hey, getting someone like him on campus, there's arguably never really been a player like him in Lincoln Riley's tenure, let alone maybe. in basically Oklahoma history. I mean, how, how many guys have have the ability to place play wide receiver running back at the same time, contributing to special teams game. It's just, it's very rare. I mean, obviously Tamarco Murray, a couple others come to mind, but Ralink is just such a unique frame and and ability. I think you essentially look at this guy as someone like we've mentioned, someone who could basically either rush for or catch receiving yards of the same caliber. And that's that's an incredible feat, if you really think about it, especially with the way that not only offenses operate today, but the way Lincoln Riley's op- the the way Lincoln Riley's offense operates and the fact that He's not necessarily someone to really focal point one true guy, unless you are a standout playmaker. That being said, that's what Raleigh Brown is. And I think that's what he's going to be once he eventually gets to Norman.
0: Parker.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think Colin, you said it well. And as far as Raleigh Brown is concerned, I know everybody on the boards is real high on Brennan Thompson and with good reason, he's one of the fastest absolutely, players absolutely. at the high school level that we've ever seen. He cracked 10.2 in the 100 meter dash as a sophomore. Yeah, so he's, fast. he's he's already got NFL speed, and there's a reason that there are programs coast to coast, elite programs that want the dude there. But you got to realize that Rayleigh Brown is what Brennan Thompson would have been in the Oklahoma offense. You've already filled the position that you would have had Brennan Thompson in. Rayleigh Brown has, I don't know if he has quite the downfield, like straight line speed that Brennan Thompson has, but look at the tape. I mean, the dude's one of the most elusive players at the high school level that we've ever seen, at least on tape. And you look at his tape, that's his freshman tape. Right? How much better has he gotten over the last couple of years? What version of Rayleigh Brown are we going to see this coming fall when he's a senior? And then whenever he brings his talents to Norman, how immediately is he going to be able to make an impact? The guy just has unparalleled athleticism. And you know, I we are fielding questions on the boards, like, is he gonna is his position gonna change? Are they gonna reclassify him as an all-purpose back or an athlete? And my response to that is: does it matter really? I mean, one way or another, the Sooners know what they're getting in this guy. They're getting a guy that can line up wide or out of the backfield, can carry the ball, can catch the ball, and is always a threat to score on every single play. And you combine that with the fact that the Sooners appear to be in really good position to land Gavin Sawchuk. and I wrote about Javante Barnes earlier. I love Javante Barnes. I think he might be the best pure running back in the 2022 cycle. Think about the fact that they have that dynamic wide receiver trio in Luther Burden, Jordan Hudson, and again, I'm really high on Talon Shetron. I think he might be one of the five best wide receivers in this 2022 class. And you look at the offensive talent that Oklahoma has stockpiled on the recruiting trail already, and the fact that it's only February. Should be reason for a Sooner Nation to be very encouraged about where this 2022 class could be when National Signing Day rolls around in December, because you got Kobe McKenzie as kind of the anchor of this class on the defensive side of the football. There are going to be more guys that Alex Grinch adds to his unit. Oklahoma is going to have, I, I I would posit right now, I think they're going to have a top five class when it's all said and done, just based on what we've seen thus far, based on the direction that this all is headed. And as we'll get into later, numbers, uh, we, two. yeah, exactly. Numbers. More. And we've got, and uh, we dropped several crystal balls yesterday amongst the three of us yes. uh, for some of the top guys in that class of 2022 that Oklahoma has a very legitimate shot at.
0: Yeah. No, I, everything you guys said about really Brown is spot on. Um, look, the guy is about as versatile as it gets. He, and I, I love the Percy. I know he's not six one or six foot like Percy Harvin was, but he still has a lot of the characteristics that Percy has as far as his balance goes, uh, his ability to make you miss. He's hard to tackle in a phone booth. I mean, the guy's, He's as quick as a cat and he's super fast. I mean, people want to talk about Brennan Thompson's speed and, and it kind of they overlook, and I think it's undervaluing just how fast Relique Brown is when you do that, when you say, well, we still need to take Brennan Thompson. Now, don't get me wrong. Taking a Brennan Thompson is fantastic and it doesn't matter what class you're in. That guy is going to be a superstar wherever he goes and where he plays because he has Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown speed. And that's that you don't find that in players like that. Like I was talking to a source the other day and I said, you know, of the guys on campus right now at Oklahoma, is there anybody you think has Hollywood Brown speed? Mario Williams was brought up, but they couldn't say that for sure that they thought that was going to have that. He had that speed because you have to see that in a game. Like they didn't even know Hollywood had Hollywood speed game speed until they saw it in a game. They knew he was fast, they didn't know he was going to be that much faster than everybody else. So when you see what Brennan Thompson does and what Relique Brown does, I get why the fans want to have multiple guys of that that stature. But when like as you address Parker, when you have a Talon Shetron, when you have a Luther Brown, when you have a Jordan Hudson, you add Ralique Brown to that. You really don't need anybody else. How many balls can be thrown out there? I mean, honestly. How many passes is Caleb Williams going to be dropping back there looking and going, okay, you know, I've only got one ball here and there's five dudes that are superstars. Cause you know, oh, he's going to end up with a really talented tight end as well. So uh, eventually, so th- there's a lot to play into wh- exactly what you all talked about. I mean, both of you guys hit the nail on the head, but relique is huge. relique is a huge get. And as Jake Taylor said, he goes, I don't know Raleigh. He goes but the fact that another west coast kid is coming out there mm-hmm. that means a lot to me and it's a, deal. it's a big deal and the fact that it was relief brown made it even bigger and so he admitted it he said yeah i follow that I, I would love to follow somebody like that to oklahoma or anywhere else that he wanted to choose so there's there's a there's a lot of uh good things that can come of that especially uh not just in california but in, Arizona, Nevada. I mean, Oklahoma is pushing for guys in Nevada. And we'll talk about that because I'm going out to Vegas tomorrow. But um, we'll discuss all that uh, later on in the podcast. Um, Parker, you touched on the crystal balls. And when I say that, I'm sorry. Um, But uh, (laughs) I went somewhere I shouldn't have there. Um, Anyways, um, so... (laughs) We're all laughing. You guys probably can't hear us. I'm sorry. But uh, so we, we you, you touched on the fact that we put in a bunch of crystal ball picks. That a better way to put that sentence, a much cleaner way. Um, talk about your crystal ball picks that you put in yesterday. And, and And you don't have to dive in deep, deep into it, because you did that for our VIP members and that's for our VIP side. But dive in as generally as you can to why you put in those crystal ball picks and who you put them in for.
2: Yeah, of course. And I I think one of the things that we were just talking about, obviously, is the fact that Oklahoma has already stockpiled a good deal of skill position talent on the offensive side of the ball in this 2022 class. And I think one of the things that that's enabled them to do is take some of these really explosive two way athletes and recruit them exclusively to the defensive side. And so two of the guys that I think Oklahoma is poised to pick up as defensive backs are two really elite athletes in Gentry Williams at the five star out of Booker T Washington high in Tulsa. And then Jared Kerr, the small town kid out of Lexington, Texas, two guys that just bring a ton of speed, a ton of explosiveness And are two really intelligent players on the football field that can do a whole lot uh, can bounce around and play several positions fluidly and so i think williams and kerr based on the conversations that i've had with them uh, i don't think it's a done deal one way or another that's why i think i went i'm pretty sure i went moderate confidence with both of those crystal balls Uh, but i'm confident that when all is said and done oklahoma lands both those guys uh, I'll defer Jake Taylor to you, Brandon, because uh, I know you had a good conversation with him earlier in the week. So I'll hold mm-hmm. off on that, but he was another one of the guys uh, that I crystal balled to Oklahoma uh, and also predicted that Gabriel Brown, dindy the OU legacy defensive tackle, uh, the five-star kid out of Florida. And he would took also end up with that.
0: <laughs> Apparently. So, I mean, Hey, and he, uh, people need to realize when kids do that all the time and they end up going to the school that usually gets picked. It's a, Gabe wants suspense, but he will be the first person to tell you that, yes, I grew up a big OU fan and yes, my mama and daddy graduated from OU and are born and raised Oklahoma. His mom from Elk city, his dad from Ada, there is zero, zero chance that Oklahoma won't be in it at the end. I mean, and I'm not saying he's going to go there. We all have our crystal ball pick in for him there, but as Parker was alluding, yes, Gabe is so much, he's a big OU lean. Even the people down in Florida will sit there and tell you, if he doesn't end up in Oklahoma, it's going to shock a lot of people. And he, we could be shocked. It's not the first time, but right now that's where everybody thinks he's headed.
2: And then another kid who seems to be an OU lean, at least in our eyes, Uh, But that also seems to be craving suspense to a certain degree uh, is a Mario who given uh, is getting a lot of attention from Ohio State and Texas in particular. And as I mentioned in my write up, I think this is a three horse race at this point between those three schools, Oklahoma, Ohio State and Texas. And let's be clear here. There is, uh, right? There is very legitimate reason to believe that Ohio State will make a dent in the DFW area yep. in this cycle. There is a, there is very legitimate reason to believe that, and uh, there's legitimate reason to believe that Omari Bohr is one of those guys uh, that ends up going to Ohio State out of the DFW area. But at the same time, uh, just based on the totality of the interactions that we've had with Omari, uh, that you've had with his, uh, his parents, his family, Brandon, and uh, I. I'm pretty I'm pretty confident in that crystal ball. Again, it was a moderate confidence uh, crystal ball for a boar, but uh, this is far from over, uh, much like we were saying with uh, Gentry and Jared Kerr, and with good reason, right? It's February. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of kids aren't going to be this eager to pull the trigger this early on in the process, especially with the NCAA's dead period being extended uh, as far off into the future as it has. There probably won't be as many decisions this year in March, April, as we're used to seeing. But when all said and done, I do like OU's chances with a boar. Uh, and I do think Jamar Kane. You got to give the guy his due. And he has been tremendous on the recruiting trail for Oklahoma ever since he swung through the doors. And I think that continues uh, if and when Oklahoma picks up a commitment from Amaria Bohr, who, as I also asserted in the write up, I think is going to be a five star by the time it's all said and done. That's a college ready player who can come in and contribute as a freshman. So that would be another huge get for the Sooners.
0: Colin? We'll go ahead and
1: walk. Uh, I'll tell you yourself. what. So first off, to further that point, Amari Bohr, a lot of people in the state of Texas feel that guy's not only a five-star, but a first-round draft pick. And mm-hmm. I would go ahead and agree with basically everyone who feels that sentiment. The guy's a freak. Now, that being said, the suspense is certainly warranted because while he was one of the guys that I put in for, I, I put mine at like a two overall. Cause I'm going to tell you right now, I, every time. So I, I've, I've talked to a couple of Ohio state prospects, Those uh, Some of those guys are real good dudes. And every time I have discussions surrounding the Buckeyes, the amount of confidence that that party feels regarding Mario Bohr is not to be overlooked. Let's put it that way. And, look, we we obviously know that I would tell you right now the dead period being extended, in my opinion, is a big deal for Oklahoma. It's a very big deal because there was hope – that the Buckeyes could get a bore on campus with a party and that eventually could help the Buckeyes swing momentum to the point that they could lead. Now Mm -hmm. I do think with that being restricted and probably not being able to happen unless it was something off the books, like a sooner summit, that that's very beneficial for OU. And it allows Oklahoma, Jamar Kane, those guys to continue constant communication virtually with a bore that's been well documented, but at the same time, Ohio State's going to do the same. The Buckeyes were just hoping for a little bit more in-person stuff, but even then, I mean, Quinn Ewers, Caleb Burton, some of those guys in there, and also some of those other vocal leaders like Desan McCullough and C.J. Hicks, those commits for the Buckeyes are going full-court press for Amari Bohr for good reason, and so I'll tell you right now that he was one of the guys I did put in for but I put mine into two for a reason, knowing what I think we all know. Ohio State's not going to give up anytime soon, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if they were to somehow swing a lead as we get closer into the fall. I put in for Gavin Sawchuk, kid who I think we've all really enjoyed getting to know and talk to, great kid. Circled back with the source the other day, still feel really good about that. I just feel like there's a lot of sense to be made here when it comes to Gavin mm-hmm. Sawchuk in Oklahoma, a guy who can step in and still kind of seize that number one running back role especially with Relique Brown basically being utilized as that slot receiver back that we talk about. So the Sawchuck thing, he, he has strong relationships on staff. And at the same time, he he really sees a dominant offense and a lot of potential there. So I put in for Sawchuck a, good, a decent amount of confidence. I think I put it at a six. Gentry Williams, you mentioned. I also put in for Jacob Sexton. Not much to go into there. And then a couple other miscellaneous ones like Noah Thomas, A&M. Jerry and Price, Notre Dame, a couple of Arkansas picks. But the other one that kind of gained a lot of traction on a crystal ball day from me was Devon Campbell. And it wasn't a popular pick to any stretch on the board, but it's it's a pick that I felt like I had to make. Because for the longest time, no matter if Texas was going through staff turnover or not, you just kind of got the sense that the Longhorns were a program that Campbell had a certain affinity for. And with now Sarkisian and Kyle Flood coming in, they're not going to let up by any stretch. I mean, Flood has now been in literally constant communication with Campbell. And there's almost a rumor swirling that basically it's like Texas of the field. Now, I don't know how true that is because, again, we have to give Bill Bedenbo his due. LSU could maybe really make a push again. But I just feel like at this point, knowing what I had heard, Campbell and Texas makes a lot of sense to me, especially because Texas, as I mentioned in the article, and I don't want to dive into too much, I think Texas is going to see a little bit of a surge in momentum recruiting here over the next few months. So Campbell is a guy I put in for as well, not in Oklahoma's favor, but at the same time, that is a Oklahoma target that I felt like, okay, it's better to go ahead and let people know now that while there are definitely some big wins in this Oklahoma class, I mean, these are the battles that are taking place right now, and Texas is going to be you know, their strong presence as OU and Texas, Texas a and so many other schools like Ohio State do battle for some of these big name prospects.
0: No, you guys have a lot of good, uh, and, and I, I want to touch on a couple of things that you 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 talked about there, Colin. Uh, with the board. I couldn't agree more about the Ohio State stuff. And I've talked to plenty of sources, as you know, that just they they get that same sense. And even when I talk to his family, um, you know. Ohio state does a really good job of staying really active and coach Johnson, their defensive line coach talks to him almost every day. Obviously. So does Jamar Kane at Oklahoma, but that's where that battle is. And if anybody thinks that let's put to you like this, if there's any two teams, there's any teams that outside in granted, Texas is trying to make a push in there. We all know that. But getting close to Ohio State and Oklahoma in that sense is going to be – oh, my God, it's going to be almost impossible at this point. They've yeah. done such a good job recruiting him that and setting that thing up that it's just – it's pretty amazing. And I can tell you by talking to Amari Bor's dad, Bar, and I talked to him quite a bit, and he and I probably talked – Every other week, and for a good while, and I'll be down there next Wednesday. We finally gonna have nice weather for us to finally do our Duncanville thing that we were supposed to do um, <laughs> past month, and yeah. the weather was not cooperating. Better knock on wood right now before yeah, we get no God, right? Goodness gracious. Um, so yeah, um, basically. His dad told me, he's like, look, I can see my kid going to Oklahoma or going to Ohio State. He he said, the thing is, is he goes, I don't know if he goes, and this is his words. He goes, I don't know if my baby boy wants to be that far where mommy and daddy can't come watch him all the time though. And that is going to play. I, I know people don't want to, I know Ohio State fans may not want to hear that, but that's going to be a factor in this. Now, here's the other thing, as you rightly addressed, the, and so did Parker, the Quinn Uwers of the world, the uh Caleb Burtons of the world. Those guys are pushing hard for Amari. And that's making that dent that you guys were talking about with Amari Boris. So uh it, Oklahoma has a lead. I think the, the good thing for OU is the fact that they're going to be so stout on the front this year that it's going to make It' very hard for him to have an excuse not to go play in Norman. Does that make sense for somebody that has his dad has his whole closet's Oklahoma. Like his dad will tell you, we're OU fans, we're an OU house. Amari is an OU kid, but when it comes to recruiting, they try as hard as good as they can to throw that out because they want to be open minded about everything because that's the right thing to do in the recruiting process to make sure you make that right choice. Because even though you're a fan, OU may not be the right choice for you as a person and uh, they're doing a really good job of that throwing the fandom out because they're diehards. I mean, you know, this Colin, I mean, they're diehard fans Yeah, and they're doing a really good job of that. But coach Johnson, I mean, I, I, I can't, I I'm trying to find the words to describe how good he's done of making a dent because at one point in time, it was almost like a foregone conclusion. The kid was going to Oklahoma and this was, two or three months ago, it was like, the kid's going to OU, and now Ohio state, you keep hearing Ohio state, Ohio state, Ohio state, Ohio state. And even the dad who is the diehard of all diehards of OU. It's like, yeah, Ohio state has a really good shot to get my kid. Um, but I, I mean, look, uh, Oklahoma has a chance to do things and you're right. The dead period may have saved them from having to play catch up instead of and, and, yep. and staying in the lead. You're 100% on that. Um, but I had the crystal ball in earlier, uh, I followed you on Demetrius Hunter. Um, I, I I love that kid's film. I think he's a four star when it's all said and done. Um, be bump, yeah, yeah. He he deserves it. His I mean he's from Orange, Texas. He's from West Orange Stark High School, uh, where the old uh, what was the kid? What was the guy that always tripped? War number two for Oklahoma wide receiver, and he would always fall. Like a blade of grass would trip him up. Trey Franks. Oh yeah, Remember Trey Franks. Yeah, he's from that same school, I believe. Um, but uh yeah, so Oklahoma has a history down there in and, uh, and orange orange Texas, um, obviously. Uh it, he's taught nonstop stop about Oklahoma, uh him his relationship with Coach Beanbow. So uh I I followed you your suit on that because I, I don't know him as well as you do, but I do know from the times I have had discussions that Oklahoma did seem like it was the way to go. Um, I also put in a crystal ball, a couple for Texas. I I mean, I I put one in for Bryce Anderson, uh, the safety out of uh, my guy. Yeah. Beaumont, (laughs) Beaumont Westbrook. Uh, You know, I talked to a source a couple of weeks ago and I asked about Oklahoma. He said, yeah, he likes Oklahoma. He goes, but he's a Texas kid. So leaving the state of Texas just wasn't going to be, Something they thought was going to happen, and with how good Texas is recruiting him right now, the momentum's with the Longhorns with Bryce Anderson. Um, it, it, you know, it's a lot, a lot like Chase Biddle. I mean, those they have a lot of similarities as far as how the the recruitment went, as far as the momentum goes. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, the the ascension of Oklahoma with Biddle and descension of uh, Texas. Well, with with Bryce, it was the ascension of Texas and the descension of AM. So it was the two Texas schools were battling out there. Uh, Christopher Ross, I put one in the defensive lineman out of, uh, Houston North shore. Uh, I put one in for Texas, uh, all momentum's there. The good thing for Oklahoma is that he pushed back his decision. It sounds like, um, yeah. So
1: that, watch USC there. I'm going to tell yeah, you.
0: Yeah. I heard that. I heard that actually this morning, yeah. actually. Um, I put one in for I put one in for Oklahoma for Justin Medlock out of Manville, Texas. I went down there in October, and I talked to him uh, on the phone. But I talked to Coach Hall because he was just, he had just had knee surgery when I was down there. Unfortunately, I didn't get to do a face to face with him, which I'll be back down there here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but even then, you know, you got a sense that it was OU, LSU at the time. Uh, his father did play at A and M, so when A and M does offer, that's something to watch. Um, but coach Hall's son plays at LSU. So LSU has really good connections with the Manville area. Uh, they're in it, but I don't know how hard they're pushing. That's the thing, What I've been told talking to LSU source, they're not sure where Medlock is on that. And from talking to OU people uh, around Norman and just people that are connected that know the recruiting stuff that uh, when it comes to Oklahoma, it just, you know, it's it just, sounds like medlock is a guy that the Sooners really want um you know in Oklahoma has done a lot I know you what you had like quick conversations with him Colin. uh yeah we've
1: we've been swapping texts and uh he his power has been out down there in the Houston area which by the way I I want to make sure we're all saying something real quick about prayers out to everyone and yes absolutely Oklahoma and Texas dealing with power issues yeah um But Medlock and I were swapping texts here and there, kind of talking back and forth, good kid. But he basically said, to further your point, that Brian Odom and Alex Grinch were probably the two coaches he's been talking with the most recently. So there you
0: go. Oklahoma's put themselves in a really good position. Um, And and some of these are ones that I've held on. I've held on this one with, with Medlock. As a matter of fact, all of these that I put in yesterday were ones that I had in my prediction my my uh, champion twenty twenty two predictions the first one I did this past month so this these none of these were surprising the one that was surprising would be the one I end up with because it's kind of the big banger at the end. Um,
2: I want to interject, Brandon. I can't explain. Ahead. I can't explain why I think this, but okay. Justin Medlock just sounds like a sooner name. He it sounds like the type of guy. I that thought that last night
0: after, after I typed it, I was like, you know what? He does look like it. Like, cause it's, Oh, you always has like the boring name guys. Do they not? Like you don't have like the really cool, like, uh, Oh, who was, uh, Joseph Osai. Like that's not a name you would think of when you think of Oklahoma, football players, you know, like, you think
2: they, of like Kenneth Murray.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like the most generic name possible, Justin Medlock. And I honestly, when I saw that first name, the first time I, I was shocked, like I, I it just sounded like he looked like, I thought he was going to be like this big burly white guy. Like <laughs> And i like looked at his profile. I was like, Whoa. Okay. <laughs> like, cause it's like the most generic name possible. Like I just did not, did not think that bit. Like he is like the most, he's like, have you ever seen him like in person? Any of you guys? Mm-hmm. He's a physical specimen. He
1: like, was at a, that uh,
0: guy is a physical specimen.
1: So they have like a, a Texas camp series for Dave Campbell's Texas football. And stuff yes. Like that. Yes. And he showed up for the Houston regional. And I'm sitting there looking at this guy like, Holy hell. What, who is this kid, Justin Midlock? Like, yeah, he could be an Ohio State kid. It's like, yeah, I believe that 100%. Obviously, things have shifted, but it just tells you that that guy from basically the beginning was like a dude.
0: Yeah, well, you know, the funny thing about the Ohio State thing is like, when I was talking to their coach, he's like, I don't know where that Ohio State thing came from. Like, They they had no idea where it came from.
1: I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that once Ohio State offered, they were earlier in the process. Like All those crystal balls basically came in, I think, like a week. Like last
0: May, yeah.
1: Yeah, like a week of the the offer coming in. So I think a lot of it was just people thinking, okay, this kid just got a huge offer.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: He's probably going to capitalize on it. Now, obviously, he was still probably going to wait on other things coming in. But I think at the time, everyone was like, this is a six foot three, 200 and something pound linebacker kind of flying under the radar that just got the Ohio state eval and pick up. Like, let's go ahead and assume he's jumping on the boat. We'll see. I don't know. I, I, again, I kind of further that with you. Like it was a little bit of a jump at that time, but we'll see what happens if the Buckeyes decide.
0: To and do you want to place. know why, do you want to know why I thought Justin Medlock was like this big white guy is because the Justin Medlock that I knew in my head was the, the white guy, the mixed kid from a uh, uh, the mixed guy from UCLA back in the day. You guys are probably too young to remember him. The kicker? Uh, yes, the place kicker, Justin Medlock. Yes, that's exactly. Yep, I remember that, him. That is exactly why I thought that in my head. <laughs> I was like, because I'd never seen him in person, and then when I did, I was like, whoa, that is one big guy. Like, I he's he's like, he's longer than he looks. At his six one, six two, like he looks a lot longer. Would you agree with that, Colin? Like, yeah, he's got wow. long
1: arms too, yes, which is does. really interesting in uh, his frame. Like he's yeah. very lengthy at the linebacker position, which then kind of makes you think about what he could be, not only as an inside backer, but maybe even as kind of like an edge rusher guy, similar to how they utilized Kenneth Murray in his last yes. season
0: at Yeah, and he has that he has that he has that frame to where you think he could look like Kenneth Murray when his college career is done with, just how his physique is just big and long. And strong, I mean, he already looks
1: a lot better than Kenneth Murray did look, coming out of high school, you know. Yeah, that's this true. Is how it is,
0: yeah. That's that's a fact. Um, my other one was Baltimore St. Francis, uh, academies defensive end, four star top. I mean, him and uh, Amaria rank ranked like right next to each other in the rankings. Uh, the one has one is a put their hand in the dirt type of guy, which I think Moore is. I think Amari is more of a stand up edge rusher type of guy. I, I don't know if you think the same thing. That's where he would like to play. Amari would love to be a stand up edge rusher. So, um, yeah, I don't think
1: he cares as long as he can go hit the quarterback, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, but I mean, that's what his, his dad actually thinks he's a better stand up rusher than he is putting his hand in the dirt. Yeah. Uh, Derek Moore is who I'm talking about out of St. Francis Academy. Um, the Maryland fans got a little upset with that pick I apologize to them, but, uh, Oklahoma seems to think that, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 not Oklahoma, but the people around, uh, more and the people that I've talked to out there seem to think that Oklahoma is in a really good spot with him. Uh, and, and they, they always talk about Will Johnson, always talk about Will Johnson and what he's accomplished. there being he he can't recruit off campus but what he can do which is not very much for oklahoma as far as defense as far as recruiting goes but he has such a great connection with the dmv area kids that oklahoma lands some of these guys because of him now jamar kane does a fantastic job you have will johnson jamar kane alex grinch and lincoln riley on a guy I'm going to take them versus almost everybody else laying in it, kid, especially after we saw how well uh, Jamar Cain recruited in the 2021 class. Um, Jake Taylor, as Parker uh, talked about and Colin talked about earlier, uh, out of Las Vegas, Bishop Gorman, four-star offensive lineman. I'll get to see him tomorrow in person. Um, but his end goal is the NFL, and he named – Notre Dame, Alabama, Oklahoma. And he said, those. the reason why is because I want to go to the NFL. And those three put out NFL offensive linemen. Can't argue that when you look at the NFL. Um, and he's visited OU, and that's it. Uh, he called it felt like home type of deal, was really comfortable. He wants to go see these other places, but he's going to visit OU again on top of that. So it's really hard to feel like... If Oklahoma gets two visits and the other teams get one, I'm gonna put my odds on Oklahoma, especially with Bill Beatonbow recruiting him mm-hmm. and Lincoln Riley. So uh, that's kind of where that uh, um, crystal ball goes. Uh, second to last was um, Derek Brown, Texas, Texas Arcana, or Texas Texas high school defensive end, former teammate, one of his one of Clayton Smith's best friends came down together for the Baylor game on the visit. Brown absolutely loves Oklahoma. Um, Love the visit loves coach Kane. Um, and Oklahoma's going to take four edge rushers this class. So uh, he's a guy that I think is going to end up being a four-star when it's all said and done. Uh, and I think Oklahoma will be his, his pick. Um, and then the big one at the end was 2023 number one overall overall. Uh, quarterback in the country. What does he rank? What's Malachi ranked overall? He's the sixth overall player in the country. Uh, and, and this one is at hard. Oklahoma didn't take any quarter. They're not going to take a quarterback in 2022. They're not. They're 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 They got Caleb Williams in 2021. They're doing what they always do. They either take a flyer guy, a fringe three, four-star guy in the even years, and then they go get the big name, the number one quarterback in the country in the odd years. I mean, they did it in 2017 with Chris Rob- Robinson before he fell off, started getting in trouble and stuff like that. He was considered one of the top one, two or three quarterbacks in the country. In 2019, they got Spencer Rattler early on. 2021, they got Caleb Williams early on. Now they're pushing for Malachi Nelson. Malachi Nelson also trains with Caleb Williams and a lot of the QB collective circuits. So they're well acquainted with each other. They know each other. And USC is the team that, you think is going to be up there with Oklahoma, you know they're going to be up there with Oklahoma, but they took two quarterbacks in 2021 and already have one in 2022. I mean, if I'm not a betting man, I think Riley's going to win that battle because that right there tells you everything you need to know. Like, if you're a quarterback, and especially today, how the QBs hop into the portal so early if they're not playing, Malachi can come in one year under uh, Caleb Williams behind Caleb Williams and play because by 2024, Caleb is gone. He will be pros. Go ahead. I want to add, Brandon,
2: there is more depth. There is more depth in that quarterback room right now than you realize because Ralph Rucker can play that's yes. another kid, the preferred walk on from Lovejoy High. That's another kid that, if worse came to worst and there were a couple of injuries uh, somewhere along the line, Ralph Rucker could step in and play quarterback for the Oklahoma Sooners. He well, could. Do it. Now, yeah. in an ideal world, that never happens because Spencer Rattler hands off to Caleb Williams and it's seamless. But Oklahoma's in no immediate need to pursue a quarterback in the 2022 class. I
1: mean, the hell, they got. Rucker, who I know can play. And I had a couple of G5 coaches tell me they were on a fringe offer you there.
0: Ben Harris and, too. Freaking kid. And that's what on. I was going to say. Ben Harris <laughs> is like one of the
1: most statistically accomplished quarterbacks in like Oklahoma high school history. Yes. Or
0: and he was a walk-on. And yeah, he's a right, walk-on. So, yeah. Right. And then, I mean,
1: they go out and get Bowens, obviously. And so it's like, I mean, yeah. they're doing okay behind the scenes in that quarterback room for sure.
0: Yeah. I'll have some notes on uh, the spring stuff for those that, um, or, or our members for on OUinsider.com, uh, VIP members, and those that want to, I'm going to have some seven-on-seven, seven, some off-season notes here in the next couple of days because I uh, got told some pretty cool stuff here uh, uh, just the past few days about what was going on. And uh, there's some freshmen standing out. And there's something uh, – there's a player that – I'm trying to word this without giving it away. There's a player – that that was going to play a certain position and they're not playing that position. They're playing another position. (laughs) And it's, 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 a it's, it's not a small name player either. So, um, it will, I'm going to dive into that. I'll know you insiders. So I, it's, and it's not, it's actually a good thing. It's a good thing. So, um, Anyways. Um, yeah. So that was all of our crystal ball picks. I know that was a lot to ingest or listen to or digest, not ingest. You can ingest it if you want to, to digest uh, from all of us. Cause that was a lot um, guys uh, on the recruiting trail, Oklahoma right now, they're throwing out a lot of offers that, of those offers. A lot of them have been defensive backs, uh, defensive linemen type of deal. And a couple of linebackers. what, of those offers, and we don't have to name them all because there's been like fifty. Yeah. Um <laughs> name, name one or two that you think that Oklahoma has a really good shot with like directly after the offer was made. Parker, do you have anything you, you like or Colin, do you have one? Yeah,
1: I can so I can I, run Yeah.
0: I think we're all gonna say the first one off the bat, but go ahead.
1: Which one are you thinking? Ish Harris. Yeah. So okay.
0: <laughs> Ish is, yeah, I mean,
1: the, the, Ish is a pretty easy one, and I'll tell you. Yeah. I mean, so Ish is a uh, Ish is a product of someone who I'm very close with, and I'm very happy for not only Ish but uh, Sean. Sean Cooper.
0: I'll be and there Wednesday. Yep.
1: They have both worked very hard to put themselves in position like this, and Ish is a guy who's really fascinating because he's about six foot four, and currently, from what I've been told about him, he's He's about 200, 205 pounds, which is a mm-hmm. big deal because I believe the system, in our system, we have him at about 190, but for him to be basically that 200-plus plateau,
0: even in video.
1: He's, uh, he's got a chance to really sprout at the collegiate level. Yeah. And he already looks really good, I'll tell you that. But the thing here is, I mean, this guy plays running back.
0: <laughs> he's fast, too.
1: He's fast, and he rushed for like 1,700-plus, 1,800 yards, and scored a whole bunch while also recording like five interceptions last year at defensive back. Mm -hmm. So this guy is an athletic freak with an extremely projectable frame. And Ish Harris is definitely someone who has a lot of respect for Oklahoma's program. So I'll tell you right now, I think Ish Harris is definitely someone there's a bunch of offers here, but I'll circle one guy that I, I really love in the 23 Mm -hmm. class. There was one defensive back, by the way, I mentioned on the OU Insider Board a while back that goes to Arlington Arlington Seguin. I'm blanking on his name right now, but he has some of the best sophomore film in the state of Texas that I've seen this cycle or in 2023. But this dude that I'm going to mention right now, Trey Wisner out of the Waco area.
0: Yeah, There you go. I, I think we all three agree on that one. This guy's
1: a freak, man. He is ridiculous. So he picked up just an absurd amount of offers in a very short amount of time, like Ohio <laughs> four,
0: state four days.
1: <laughs> yeah. Over the span of like four days, this guy picked up a whole bunch. And I, I just don't, I mean, like, I think it's really interesting when you look at this because rarely do the state of Texas kind of kids get some of their offers to be big name out of state programs, like Ohio state and Florida state. You no, know, of course, Florida state is in the dumps, but at the same time, I mean, When those evals are done this early in the process and they feel like they can offer a kid who doesn't necessarily come from maybe a talent rich program or area in the state of Texas, that that says a lot. And then you cut on the tape and it's like, Holy hell, man, I could say a lot more than that, but this guy can go. And I'll tell you right now, like everyone knows how I feel about Ruben Owens.
0: Not to interject. Were you talking about Nase OTNO?
1: No, that's the kid out of Arlington, Martin. Though no, that's Adahino. Seguin.
0: That's Seguin. Yeah, Seguin.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I think it's I think that's him. But anyways, he's about six foot one, defensive back corner. Yeah. Uh, he plays wide receiver as well. Yep. He he's ridiculous on film. And okay.
0: Anyway, so uh, Jamel Jamel Johnson is who you're thinking of.
1: Yes, yeah, Jamel Johnson. That's what yeah. it is. I knew it was that's a little what, bit yeah. more of a plander name. but yeah. That's what yeah. it is. Well, Jamel it was, Johnson has yeah. a but Trey Wisner... Ruben Owens is back in the state of Texas and and maybe the nation, but Wisner probably number two and the Ruben Owens recruitment is not done by any stretch. I know that there are a couple of schools that are planning to make a push here, but Wisner is a guy who has a lot of respect for Oklahoma football. And, And I would not be surprised if things took a wild turn that Oklahoma were able to quickly establish itself as a primary presence in that recruitment. And I'm, I'm planning on going out there sometime soon to go see him. I I hope to see the way he practices because if he practices the way he plays on film then Holy hell, but man, this guy, I'll tell you what fans at home, go look up Trey Wisner's film on huddle because this guy, you will understand quickly why Ohio state was so eager to get into the picture very early on. He can absolutely move.
0: What do you think Parker?
2: No, I agree. I think Trey Wisner Uh, in particular is a guy that you start to look ahead to the 2023 class. And I know we're just getting done with the 2021 cycle and we're talking about all these 2022 guys and 2023 seems so far off in the horizon. But (laughs) uh, you mentioned Malachi Nelson, uh, the guy that you would assume is Lincoln Riley's, uh, his dead eye target, the one guy that he's going to go after uh, because you turn on the tape on Malachi Nelson, that dude can wing it. He's got mm-hmm. one heck of an arm, and think about Ruben Owens, uh, obviously, who I'm—I'm I'm pretty sure we're all in agreement that dude is the best running back in the 2023 class. I mean, he's just special. He might be the as number a one in 2022
0: as well, if you actually.
2: <laughs> if you were to reclassify, yeah, yeah I mean, he would definitely uh, have a run at. There I are very Colin? few.
1: No, you're absolutely correct. Okay.
2: There are very few running backs who are as explosive, as quick. And just as natural as Ruben Owens, the DeMarco Murray comparisons are spot on. And so, uh, you know, I don't know. I think as we kind of look ahead to 2023, it depends on how things shake out here in 2022, as far as what's going to be a position of need for Oklahoma and what's not. And one of the positions that I look at, obviously, uh, is that H-back position, because you figure Austin Stogner isn't going to spend all five years that he's eligible Uh, at Oklahoma. He'll be off to the NFL at some point. Uh, You're looking at, upper-class guys in Braden Willis and Jeremiah Hall that will be on their way out before long. And then Mikey Henderson is the heir apparent in that room, but obviously now um, he's made the move more so the halfback position. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. I think he's definitely a guy that still could be deployed at H-back, especially given that he spent a full year in that room, and he's the type of athlete that you're going to want on the field in some capacity. Right. Uh, but I know one guy you're high on, Brandon, is Lucas out of Bixby. Uh, Uh, one of the guys uh, that could factor into that picture in the 2023 class uh, as one of the guys that Oklahoma turns to at the H back position Uh, in the years ahead. Another guy I really like in 2022 is Caden Helms out of my hometown of Omaha, Nebraska. Technically Caden's from Bellevue, but know tomato tomato there
0: right um,
2: that's one of the positions though that i identify as one that oklahoma is going to need to make a splash in recruiting over these next two cycles and so i look at haas i look at helms as kind of the two guys uh that could be uh 1a and 1b options there
1: by the way the, the 2023 offer to add on to this conversation that jamar kane put out today and jordan Renaud, the defensive tackle out of louisville high Another kid I'm excited about,
0: He uh, offered. I've had a lot of
1: coaches text me like he could be a freak. It wasn't Tibbs that offered him? No, he tweeted. No, so Jamar Cain and Alex Grinch started to communicate and then tweeted out today, obviously, that Jamar Cain extended the offer. Yeah. Yeah. That's my backyard, Louisville. I mean, that that place is a party right now with that offer coming in. But I'll tell you what, I, I believe he moved in from somewhere else. But at the same time, I've had a lot of people tell me that they feel like he, he might be one of, if not the best defensive linemen to come out of Louisville high in a while, which is it's a big deal.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, that was a, he's, you know, you watch his film and the dude, <laughs> he's, for for a big guy in high school, he's got a, he's, he's twitchy. Very very twitchy. Yeah,
1: defensive um, tackle too, being like six five and
0: two hundred yeah. some
1: pounds. Like, man, this is definitely yeah. that defensive tackle that OU fans are going to fret over for the next few years. Just be ready.
0: Yeah, he, he he has that Jordan Phillips look. You know, Jordan, remember how big Jordan Phillips was? That's kind of what he got. I mean, and Jordan Phillips wasn't built like that. Jordan Phillips was doing backflips at three hundred pounds. I mean, that's how freaky athletic athletic he was. Um, for me, of the offers that I think Oklahoma has a really good chance with. And we're talking and when we say recent offers, you know, they we're talking in the last couple of months. Um I, I'm gonna go with Jalen Hill as one of them. Um
2: I knew we were gonna come around to him at some point. <laughs> My guy.
0: Of the Longview guy, and Oklahoma tends to have really good luck in Longview for some odd reason. If they offer good chance Oklahoma gets a long view guy after uh what Trent Williams and Malcolm Kelly and all that stuff. Um there's a, there's a deep-rooted connection with Oklahoma and Longview. And it's not just those two. There's a lot of Longview guys that have been to Oklahoma and played in Oklahoma. Uh, and I, I just think that he fits everything that Oklahoma wants. And he also has one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver recruiter in the country recruiting him, and Dennis Simmons. So, And I know Ohio State fans will say, oh, well, you know, what about Brian Hartline? Look, you can go tomato, tomato, as Parker said earlier, uh, they're both freaks when it comes to recruiting. (laughs) And I mean, and I I just say, I just think coach Simmons is, he's just unbelievable. I mean, the guy, he pulled in this year, Relique Brown, Talon Shetron, and Luther Burden. All three of those guys can end up being five stars when it's all said and done. I mean, Talon Shetron, I have a feeling that dude's going to skyrocket. So as far as his ranking goes, he's just special. He's a special player. He reminds me of CD lamb so much. It's not even funny by the way. Just I'm
2: 100% with you, Brandon, having yeah, watched Shetron multiple times in person, you just yeah. look at the guy and you're like, how is he not a five-star?
0: Yeah. How, how is how he, he not? Everything he does is just, just like, Whoa, what in the crap? How did he do that type of deal? Yeah. Shetron's special. Obviously, Luke has out of Bigsby, as you guys discussed, uh, he's got a really strong Razorback connection, so that that Oklahoma's going to... They're going to have to fight the Razorbacks for him. Uh, win or loss, his family are Razorback fans. His mom was out there treating or cheering for uh, the Razorbacks uh, last night, the basketball team, so... Uh, I can see that. Obviously we talked about Malachi Nelson uh, and these guys that we've talked about here just a second ago, they're all 2023. Anthony Hill is a guy that I think Oklahoma has a really good chance with. And not only that, he was ridiculous in the seven on seven tournament last week or a week and a half ago, just stupid. Good. Uh, He's special. I, I think the guy is special talent. And Oklahoma will be lucky if they can pull him. So I mean, can I tell ahead. you a funny story? Real yeah, quickly. go for it. Go for it. Go for it.
1: So, okay. So some of these guys you're throwing out, I love them. Cause like, I will tell you that like Ruben Owens, Jalen Hale, by the way, I would quickly mention that if Oklahoma were able to somehow land Malachi Nelson, Ruben Owens, and Jalen Hale in the same class, Ooh. I would argue that they got the best player at each of those positions in the country. I mean, like I'm, I'm <coughs> that high on. Lebius Overton. What's that?
0: You get Levy Soberton and uh, Luke has on top of that. And they just, my <laughs> the class is already stupid.
1: <laughs> I'm telling you, man, like I, so like Jalen Hale and Ruben Owens, like I, I remember Jalen Hale hitting me up, being all excited about Mississippi state offer. Like mm-hmm. that's, and I'm sitting here like, trust me, it's you're, you're going to blow up here in a little bit. But so Anthony Hill, you mentioned how you're very close to, to Amaria Boris father. Mr. Hill is a great guy. And to give you some context, like how not only good he is, but how much the Anthony Hill phone line has been blowing up. They got an invite to compete in the U.S. National Football Team combo coming up here in March uh, in in Frisco. So basically, like they're extending an invite to to have Anthony Hill be a member of the U.S. National Football Team or whatever. So I call Mr. Hill and I, I text Anthony like hey, like congrats, you know big deal getting the accomplishment of potentially being on the US national football team. Neither one of them had any clue that was even a thing. They were like, <laughs> not even on the damn radar. They're like, what? We have seven on seven stuff going on. We got to talk to all of these coaches and stuff. I mean it's like that that's kind of where Anthony Hill is right now, how great he's been. It's to the point now where like major accolades, for that dude, I mean, they, they're flying right over the head. He's just – he's a special player. Man. Yeah. I'm really excited about his future.
0: He he was special in that. The, I know they blew him out, but he was special uh, in that state title game. I mean, he was all over the field. He he runs sideline to sideline, side so so fluid and so smooth. Uh, there isn't a lot of false stepping. He sifts through the trash really easy, doesn't get blocked. He doesn't allow himself to get caught up in anything. And he fills lanes really quickly. I just think instinctively, the way he plays, he's got a chance to be downright special. Um, another another guy that I would uh, venture to say that I think Oklahoma um, will have a decent shot with is um, Jason Llewellyn, the 2022 tight end out of Alito that Oklahoma just offered. Um, I'm actually setting up a thing to go down there because so (laughs) funny story, um, their outside linebacker and special teams coach, uh, was a good friend of mine in college at Swazoo. Um, we used to have like all these little NCAA football tournaments that we used to play on PlayStation or Xbox. And, uh, he was, he was an offensive lineman, uh, for us back in the day. That's Wazoo, and, uh, coach Bible is still there. And, uh, so I'm working with him to set up, to go see Allen, Llewellyn, all those guys. Um, obviously calling you be down then you'll, you'll probably be with me more than likely. I'm going yeah. go anyways. Uh, but yeah, so, um, there, there's, there's that, that, that interest. And I think did which one of you is the one that interviewed Llewellyn?
1: So, so Parker grabbed him for a quick story. And then I had an in-depth combo with him okay. right afterwards. Cause he, so I, i mentioned on the board before the offer dropped, like, Hey, like be ready for some Alito news today. And then, yeah. go. because yeah, he yeah. and I were swapping messages like, Hey, an Oklahoma offers coming in and he's very excited about the offer. And Brandon, I I want you to go into your, your whole, no, no,
0: no, 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 go for it. Go for it. That's why I asked that question for you guys to hop in on that.
1: No. Yeah. So I'll tell you right now. um, Jason is a guy who I've been very interested in. I was very encouraged by his progress, but obviously a bunch of college coaches were, so he's had just a ridiculous amount of offers come in from really big name schools, especially in the region. But I'll tell you right now, I I feel like this is going to be a three team race from what he and I talked about behind the scenes. It's going to be Oklahoma, it's going to be Texas, and it's going to be TCU.
0: Yep. Those are the three I was about to say, too. Yep.
1: Exactly. And Texas wants him bad. I would argue that Texas is potentially holding us very slight lead because Sark is honing in on their tight end targets. But Oklahoma entering the picture is a big deal. Uh, Llewellyn went to a basketball camp at Oklahoma a very long time ago when he was young. So he's had very fond memories of the OU campus and and going to games with his parents at the OU uh, facilities, obviously. And he, he's always just talked about how he, he just thinks it's a ridiculous stadium and the, aura of the place is just mm-hmm. really standing out to him. But the big thing here is he went to those games with his parents who are TCU grads. He is a TCU legacy. And oh, obviously wow. the horn Frogs are going to want to capitalize on that relationship. And I do feel like that's a really big deal in, in this recruitment. And so it, for me, it's those three Big 12 schools contending right now. We'll see how some of these other SEC schools factor in. I know Auburn entered the picture recently. So there, there are some, some other schools to be mentioned for sure. Some people feel like Texas Tech has more of an outside shot than some perceive. I'm not necessarily buying it, but I would tell you right now, I feel like it's those three schools, and we'll see how it all shakes out. But it'll be a very interesting one to follow.
0: Parker, do you have anything uh, just from your quick quick discussions that you wanted to add?
2: Yeah, as far as my talk with Llewellyn goes, uh, he's a very straightforward, very well-spoken kid, uh, gives you straight answers uh, to anything that you ask, at least from the conversation I had with him Uh, and he's obviously, he's been one of the hottest commodities in the nation in terms of the 2022 class over the last, uh, over the last two months, I think he's got something like 16 or 18 FBS offers uh, Mm -hmm. since the beginning of the year. Uh, So there's definitely going to be, there will be more, Horses in the race for Llewellyn. But as Colin mentioned, it really is Oklahoma, TCU, Texas and the field uh, for those three reasons uh, that he kind of outlined there. Um, but again, we go back to tight end H back being a position of need for Oklahoma here in the not too distant future. Uh, And that's part of the reason why you saw Joe John Finley, as soon as he joined the staff, make several offers to prospects at that tight end H back position, talking about Jaleel Skinner out of South Carolina and then Oscar Delp out of Georgia, two more guys uh, that finley offered i don't know that oklahoma stands a real legitimate chance with either one of those guys just based on proximity right now uh, but that could obviously change and brandon by the way if you ever want to run it back on ncaa football swing through because i've got ncaa football 05 on the gamecube and all of the player names updated on all the rosters so
0: oh five yeah i i have that for 14 uh i got that with 14 as well um they have the whoever does that did you do it yourself
2: I did it all manually. I did it myself. Took me a whole summer. Oh,
0: my goodness. So, so, oh, so you have the 05 team all manually put in? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Jason White, Mark Clayton, all the boys. Oh, you have the 04 team is 05. That's right. Okay. Correct. That's right. Holy. Goodness. And that was the one that that was the one that Coach Bible and I played with each other all the time whenever we do the tournaments. It was 05. five. Cause I used to throw it up to uh you just throw the ball up to Clayton and he would catch it every freaking time. Him and Brandon Jones came down with the ball no matter what. Quadruple teamed and they were gonna come down. And then you turn around and hand it off to A D and the dudes just bounce off of him left and right. So think free. <laughs> oh, he was unstoppable in that game, by the way.
2: Uh, the other AP was 84 as a yeah, freshman. Yeah. So. He
0: was ridiculous. On that game. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess one other guy or a couple other guys real quick that I, I was Cyrus Moss is a name. And obviously I'm going to get to see him this weekend, uh, or tomorrow in talking to people. Like I know Oregon got like that, that crystal ball for them at like a level two or whatever yesterday. And Blair knows his stuff out there, but, uh, so, uh, I can't dispute that, but I will tell you that in talking to a source, they were like, I said, Oregon is who I'm here. And they said, no, <laughs> I was like, okay. And I uh, said, so what do you think? And they said, Oklahoma, USC, Alabama. That's like the names that the teams they brought up. And I was like, okay, I can totally see that. Um, that's another Bishop Gorman guy, DeMarco Murray and Jamar Kane are tag teaming uh, Cyrus Moss and they're going after him hard. Um, and trying to make sure that they get him like in a perfect world, Oklahoma would love to end up with Cyrus Moss, Amaria Bohr. And then I'm talking about edge rushers, right? They want four this, this class, cause they're going to lose a whole bunch of pretty quick. So they want Amaria Bohr, Cyrus Moss, Derek Moore and Derek Brown. That would be the four that they would like. And can you imagine that? Can you imagine that those, if some they, that? those are some all four just straight dudes and some really good football players. Um, <clears throat> enough talk about the football and the recruiting and all that. Uh, let's talk some hoops real quick. Let's uh, go. <clears throat> number nine, Oklahoma is going to Ames this weekend uh, to play Iowa state Obviously the game against Texas got postponed. Have they restated? They haven't, they haven't set the date for that yet. Have they? No, I don't think they no, will.
2: Neither the Baylor game nor the <laughs> Texas game have been rescheduled yet.
0: That's a shame. I would love to see, OU get the host Baylor because I think they would beat Baylor at home. That's just my gut. I don't know why I think that I, I, I do know. why I think that I think Oklahoma plays good enough defense and they scared the crap out of them down there in Waco until the last two minutes when you got into foul trouble and they ended up making a bunch of free throws. Is that, is that the game? Am I thinking right on that game? You I'm, are. Okay. Yeah. And they ended up losing by 13 or 14 and they were down by like two. Oh, he was up for a while too in that game. Um, and I, I don't know. I just think this Oklahoma team is going to go up to Ames. And I think they're gonna win. And I think they're gonna handle business against Oklahoma State as well. I think the I think they beat Oklahoma State in both of the games as well. I think OU closes out the, the year losing one game in the last two months. Is that is that is that a while? am I crazy for thinking that?
2: No, not at all. I mean, you got the Baylor game off the schedule, you got the Texas yeah. game off the schedule. Those were the two really tough ones, but and they thought, would have been oh, would two, be two really fun. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. They beat them they beat him
0: down there in Austin.
2: I think those would have been tremendous challenges for the Sooner team just mm-hmm. to build all the more resilience as they yes. head into March. But, I mean, you look at the schedule the rest of the way, now that those two games are off for the moment, you got Iowa State, you got Kansas State, and then you got two with Oklahoma State. Yeah, yeah. you don't figure Oklahoma will lose any of those games.
0: I didn't even mention Kansas State because I didn't think they were worth it at this point. But And I know it's probably the wrong thing to say, and they're probably going to lose because I said something like that. But the way Kansas State's been playing, I mean, come on. Like, eh. like eh. and the way OU's been playing is like, do you really think they're gonna put up like they get challenged them, but do you think they're gonna beat Oklahoma? Like honestly, like would you bet money on them beating Oklahoma?
1: So I did a anonymous survey. Yeah, I'm gonna reveal my identity. Sorry, Wildcat. (laughs) I did an anonymous survey regarding Kansas State basketball and and also their recruiting. And do you know how hard it was? to type like 250 positive words regarding K-State hoops right now. Ugh. Oh, they're brutal, man. And I did, I did all, I did everything I could to not just be like, yeah, it's rough right now, guys. I'm what sorry. What
0: happened to Weber? Like what happened? What happened? I, to Weber? I, what happened?
1: I I couldn't tell you, man. I, I could not tell you. And I feel like it's tough too, because they have some nice pieces. At yes. least it looks like it on paper. Like they have a, a very young center and point guard that i feel like if you're building a basketball team you have to have those two spots solidified and they have them but like they're both friend starting and it's clear that they're thrown into the fire and then there's just not much help around them and it's tough too because like kansas state has a a really big roster they have a lot of sizable guys so they can you would hope they'd be able to create mismatches on the floor but not to go on whole k-state rant. but basically like to sum it up, I had to do this whole anonymous survey thing and I was just sitting there it really puts into perspective like how Oklahoma was able to handle the COVID-19 offseason in the university mm-hmm. versus like a Kansas state where we're used to that program being towards the middle to top tier of the big 12. And they have just absolutely pummeled because of what's happened.
0: And and they're always so good defensively under Bruce Weber. Like they are just nasty defensively. And now they're just like, like Moses parting the the red sea, just come on down the lane and lay it up on us guys. And they're, they're all open it up for you. I mean, they (laughs) They can't hit
1: the broad side of a barn sometimes. That is rough. No.
0: And they always used to have like, they always used to have that squirrely, uh, tough rugged point guard and that token white dude that just stood out there and just shot threes all the time and they don't even have that anymore like it's just everything is missing for them and here Wade right? is long gone yes you know exactly who I was talking about too he was there for like 20 years and that's why I call him the token white guy because that's all he did was stand out there but he always killed OU for some odd reason Didn't matter if the game was in Norman or if it was in Manhattan. He was on fire against Oklahoma for some odd reason. Which
2: is really counterintuitive because Dean Wade is just not a Hooper name. No. It's just not. No.
0: I feel like his family got his... They were like... And I know this isn't right, people, so don't go chronological on me. But I I feel like they were like, well, we can't name him Dwayne, so we're going to name him Dean. Dean Wade. So... And I was making a Dwayne Wade joke because they were naming after Dwayne Wade. Anyways, it was bad. He board number three. I mean, so did D Wade. <laughs> so I mean, that's not that far off. Anyways, sorry, I digress. Um, <laughs> um, the yeah, I I don't know. And and here's another thing about the Oklahoma team. They were they are realistically could return and i was talking to matt reynolds he's the uh director for prep hoops you got you know him calling do you know him
2: parker yeah know okay. uh, of him
0: okay he's the director of prep hoops circuit uh, a big tournament circuit au circuit uh probably the what second probably the third largest in the country now um as far as the circuits go and um, and he's probably going to get mad at me and say word number two or something like that. I'll get a text after he listens to this. Um, sorry, Matt. Uh, but uh, so I was talking to him the other day, and I asked him. I said, "Do you think that um Austin Reeves will return?" He thinks Austin Reeves will return. Um, do y'all think he returns? Like, I, I, I kind of have a hunch that he might just to see if he can get his draft stock even higher because I feel like he's probably a second rounder right now. And he could be a first rounder if he has another year, like he's had this year uh, and, and continue to show the ability to handle the ball because he wasn't a ball handler when it, for, this is the first year he's like been a legit ball handler. And that's what Here's, he'll be in the NBA.
2: Yeah, here's what I'll say, Brandon. I don't I don't think Austin Reeves is an NBA draft pick right now. I think based on what he's demonstrated as a ball handler this year and the leadership that he's started to show as the floor general for the Sooners, as well as the fact that he's averaging 15 5 and 5, which isn't a wildly impressive stat line. But when you consider that there are only two other guys in the country that are matching that benchmark, <laughs> he's one of the more productive and more versatile players. In the collegiate circuit right now, yep. and so I think he's a guy that could absolutely benefit from a sixth year coming back and serving as the Oklahoma Sooners point guard once again. And if he comes back, and you get Brady Manic back, and that's a whole nother that, situation. Yeah, that's another. Thing. But he, if you uh, get him and Brady Manic back, go ahead, go ahead, finish
0: your finish your thought.
2: Yeah, so if you get him back and you get Brady Manic back, heck, if you get one. If you get one of those two, you're in really good shape to make a final four run next year. The one thing, the one thing you're going to have to do is find a good interior post presence because Kirk is gone. We know that Rick Asanza, you know, Lon Kruger has been very hesitant to put Rick Asanza on the floor Anyangarang really hasn't unlocked his potential yet. So who's gonna be that guy that steps into the void that Kirk Queth will leave? That's the one question mark for Oklahoma. But why can't, why they've, can't got, they've come back? got a lot of talent they can bring back.
0: Why can't Quef come back?
2: He's going pro. Oh well,
0: I don't know that He's going pro Yeah, well, I don't know that that's a wise decision, but okay. to each his own, I guess. He wants to,
1: he wants to provide for his family, which makes I, I
0: I I get it. I get it. But he if he has another year of his development he can provide better for his family. And I know that seems, that's easier said than done. I totally get that. Totally get that. So uh, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not calling, him. I'm not calling it a dumb move or anything like that. I'm just saying, I, I just feel like along the Reeves line that if he comes back and shows, continues to show that progression that he's shown, uh, get even more, uh, accurate with his 15 foot jump shot. Cause he has a nice jumper already for big guy. He does. And so, I mean, he, those, those are the type of things in my mind I'm sitting here thinking, okay, these guys return, they could be a final four team next year. Like a legit final four team. You're adding CJ Nolan, you're adding Bijan Cortez and you're adding potentially somebody else and maybe a transfer too. Cause OU loves to go get those, those transfers that a lot of guys that, you know, the guys that average 15, 16 points a game at an FCS school, uh, it is an FPS school in basketball, but football, FCS school, like in North Texas or a Pacific or something like that. And they come in and lawn makes a mesh. And all of a sudden they've got themselves a 13, all big 12 guy (laughs) just in year one as a transfer. I mean, that, that, that's kind of, that's kind of his deal. Like he, he develops. So well, that staff develops so well. Um, I I don't know. I, I, I think you're right. And if you're going to go after somebody and you need that presence down low, if Kerr's going to leave, you might as well go find somebody in that transfer portal that you think can come in and be a better Kirk West, which is uh, defensively, that's hard to say, but offensively, maybe you can get a little bit more out of, that guy like an Aaron McGee type of guy where he's not great defensively, but can stretch the floor type of deal. And I know Aaron McGee's a stretch because the guy was like 30 points a game during that, that run during the final four, but you guys get my point. Um, so I, I don't know. I just think the basketball program is in about as good as position that it's ever been in uh, as far as talent and the rotation of the talent where there's not going to be this law of, Okay, they're an NIT team and before they get back to the NCA. I think Lon's got it at that point to where each and every year they're almost guaranteed to be an NCA team from here on out, the way they've recruited and the way they've developed.
2: I don't think this is the best Oklahoma basketball team that we've seen in my lifetime no. because you're talking um, about buddy Heald yeah. teams, you're talking yeah. about talking yeah. about Blake Griffin teams. But consider this. I think when
0: you're Hollis talking about
2: Bryce, well, exactly. Yeah. You're talking about the strength relative to the field this year in college basketball. Yeah. I think this Oklahoma team has as good a chance as any team we've seen in the past to make a run to the final four. Maybe the, I look at consider this right now, as I look at the landscape of college basketball. And I think about which teams could go toe to toe with Oklahoma on a neutral court. There are four teams, four teams that I would say definitively could Gonzaga, Baylor, Ohio State, Iowa. Those are the four teams that I I would probably take them over Oklahoma on a neutral court. Outside of that,
0: Michigan. I don't like the chances against anybody. I like him against Michigan. Okay. Okay. No, I mean I I'm not I'm not disagreeing. I was just a team that came to my mind because they're got a really good record and they're really good. Um no, no, you're right. You're right. I'm I'm look, this Oklahoma team, they're gritty and when you think of NCAA tournament runs and it doesn't matter whether you're Oklahoma or whether you're Duke or Gonzaga or North Carolina, what is the one thing that you have to have? And you need and to, to make it for Oklahoma fans. What is the one thing every OU team that has made it to the elite eight or more has had? What is it? I'm I'm asking for an answer here, I guess. Which, which y'all's guess on what I'm thinking here? I mean, it's okay, a, what's the... You have to have this in basketball at all times. But, but specifically, if you want to be a really good team, what is it I called? Would say, I would say
1: either elite guard play or great defensive play. Got sure. it
0: off the first, elite guard play. They have elite guard play. Yeah. And across the board, even coming off the bench, they have elite guard play. And that is... You think of any Final Four teams, any of these runs—not just Oklahoma teams, but any team—and they talk about it all the time when the the NCAA tournament rolls around. Well, these teams that are making this run, they're so good in their backcourt. Their backcourt's so good. Their front court is okay, but their backcourt's so good that they're that, that that compensates for being average down low, and that's why they're making this run because they can stretch the floor, they can handle the pressure, they can handle the the, the defense. All these things—they're—they're they're mentally strong, and all that stuff that I just said—that you have to have—they—they they have it in Reeves, Harkless, um, Harmon, and Gibson. Who else am I missing here? That I'm—I'm there's, who else is on the team? Guard play, that out of those. There's more than that. I'm just drawing. Solondes,
1: but he hasn't.
0: Awesome. he hadn't been playing yeah. much from there lately. But yeah, but I mean, that's my point. Like, they're just—they're really good. Um, and even down low, you got manic who can stress the floor when he, when he's not in his own head. Um, and let's talk about Brady manic real quick. Do you guys think he returns?
1: Hell yeah. Like he better. I mean, at this point, like
0: there, there's, there's there's buzz that he could transfer out. There's buzz that he's kind of getting frustrated. There's buzz. He's kind of, Burnout. There's all this stuff going on right now.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's, that would be my biggest thing is if you're talking NBA yeah. draft or return to the collegiate game, he's definitely returning. Now, be the, sooner, I though. would see a scenario in which he tries to explore <laughs> yeah. a different place. But it's just hard for me, especially knowing what Brady Manick has been able to accomplish in years past, to, to see him doing much else at any other programs, let alone – knowing how crazy the transfer portal is going to be yeah. like how he's going to plan on navigating that. So I don't know. I mean, it's all kind of up in the air right now, but I, if he comes back, he doesn't leave for the NBA, which I would assume we're all in agreement. That's, that's the plan yeah, for him, yeah. which it should be. I mean, he's, he's going to come back. It's just does he decide that he just needs a change of scenery or does yeah. he want to try and write and the ship in an Oklahoma uniform? I think he should stick around because we've yeah. seen how long Kruger has been able to, Utilize him properly and effectively, even when there were much bigger names on the roster with Brady yep. Manic in the program. So, I don't know. I feel like Oklahoma is going to be willing whenever he's back to being a Brady Manic form to basically hand him the keys. And I feel like he knows that in the back of his head. So, it'll be something for him to consider this
0: offseason. Well, uh, I go, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: I would put money right now on Brady Manic being back because we got to consider, right? This guy is sooner born and sooner bred. Hera, Oklahoma, grew up rooting for OU, went to OU, saw playing time immediately as a freshman and has been a really big part of this team for four years. And yeah, he's fallen upon some hard times in his senior year. But you look at the way that Lon Kruger has helped this team to rise to where they are right now. And you think about what they could be next year. I think there's nothing that Brady Manick would love more than to be a part of that at the university of Oklahoma. So I really do think he'll be back next year. I don't think he's going to the NBA. I really don't think he's going to transfer. I would put good money on the table that Brady Manick is in a sooner uniform next season.
0: I mean, where would he go? I mean, Tulsa, that's where his brother played, right? Is it Oral Roberts? were. For-
2: one it was a uh, south, Southwest Oklahoma or southwest, southeast. southeast. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, Okay. I knew it was directional
2: like, Oklahoma state
0: directional Oklahoma school. I don't know why I thought Tulsa or Roberts, but uh, because I played in Norman, I think that's why I think they played against OU at one point. Cause it was a big deal. Manic versus manic. Um, but yeah, he could go to a smaller place and really be the guy, you know, potentially if he wanted to. Now I wouldn't suggest that because what is he 60 three-pointers or something like that from being the all-time greatest or something? Like, I don't mean, I don't know the exact stat, but then you have a chance if he came back next year to break the dang thing.
2: That's a record he could hold. Certainly. Yeah, with Another year
0: with the, uh, with the elite guys that were, uh, were in that, that talk at this point, like buddy Hill is, <laughs> I mean, if you be buddy Hill and become the all-time greatest three-point shooter. And I don't know if he has a chance statistically or not, but he has a chance to at least jump Terry Evans Um, and who was the other guy that was up there? Was it Brent price or something like that? Maybe I don't remember. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. I mean, those are guys, those are some big names. Uh, I mean, Brent price was in the NBA for a long time and he won a lot of games. I think he won the, was he, was he there when the rockets won the, uh, the NBA title in 95? Was he on that team? I don't. I don't know know off the.
2: Yeah, that's a good question.
0: I know he played with the Rockets for a long time, or for a good while, a couple years at least. So um, I know he's with the Bullets too. It's a shame his brother didn't. His brother went to Georgia Tech, unfortunately. But um, yeah. Anyways, yeah, this this Long Kruger has this thing rolling. Uh, Does OU have a chance to win the Big Twelve tournament? Do you think they can play toe to toe with Baylor on a neutral court?
2: In a word, yes. Yes, I okay.
0: do. Okay. What about you, Colin?
1: There's a shot, but it's tough. And I'll that's, tell that's you why. How I, so we,
0: that's how I feel. Okay. I,
1: I like Baylor a lot. Like, that basketball team is really damn good. And the other part of this is, like, we talk, we've talked a lot about the positives, and, and rightfully so, because Oklahoma's doing an outstanding job in the hardwood this the season. The thing is, I think we would all also be in agreement that if they're going to make a run like that in the big 12 tournament, they got to fix some of the offensive efficiency issues. Like the shots have to fall a little bit easier because sometimes it's just it's looking rough out there. And I would hope that a little bit more consistency comes on that end of the floor, because we know what this squad is from a defensive perspective. It is an elite defensive group, but sometimes on the offensive side of things, they allow teams to stay in games, and not always should that be the case. So, if you're going to go up against a team like Baylor, or you're going to go up against Texas, who I mean Longhorn fans are chomping at the bit because obviously last time these two teams met, the Texas Longhorns weren't at full strength. If you're going to go against those teams, and you're you're going to knock them off in the tournament in the neutral site, you got to be able to make your shots. You got to be able to create leads and hold leads not just with your defensive prowess but with your consistent shot making. So that that's my one concern about OU going into some settings like that is can they can they make sure that the ball is going through the net at a high and consistent rate.
0: Yeah, no. I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm not sure that I want you know, we all want to believe OU can beat them, beat Baylor. Um <laughs> It was just so good. I feel like all five of their guys can shoot. It's like, and then the the seven and eighth, ninth man come in and they're still draining threes from half court. I mean, Drew has them so well coached that, and there's such a well-oiled machine that it's just hard to envision anybody else beating them. There's a reason why they're undefeated at this point. So I don't know. That's just... (laughs) That's tough. That's really tough to grasp. I mean, how? Okay, but say say Oklahoma loses in the title game or the semifinals or the Big Twelve semifinals or Big Twelve title game. What seed do you all think they get? And at this at this juncture on February eighteenth, and where do you think? How far do you think they make it into the in um, state tournament? And I know it all depends on how the brackets laid out the matchups, all that, but this is all hypothetical. Parker, how do you see that going? Like they, they, they finish semifinals or lose in the big 12 title game and they're going to get their seed. And how far do you think they may? So what seed and how far do you think they go
2: on paper right now? I think you're looking at a surefire three seed with a chance to rise to a two. If they make a deep run in the big 12 tournament, and I think I've said it before. I think this is an elite eight team. I do. Um, I think this is a team that can go that far. And you know, at that point, all bets are off. You get that deep, it's oftentimes a coin flip. You get a team like Loyola Chicago that gets hot at the right time after a couple close victories early in the tournament, and they make a run all the way to the national championship. And so, there's That's certainly. So weird. Exactly. Like weird stuff happens in March Madness when you have a team that just plays good, solid, consistent basketball from all five guys on the floor. Right? We saw with Loyola just a few years back, we saw Butler make two consecutive national championship runs with a team that I think is very similar to the way this Oklahoma team is structured. Mm. And so uh, I think the ceiling could be As high as an appearance in the national championship game, uh, it all, like Colin says, it all comes down to whether they can get the offensive efficiency issues sorted out. Because if the shots aren't falling in round one, and you maybe get a mid major team with a guy or two that can light it up from deep, then you might be looking at a first round upset. So I think the ceiling is high, the floor is low for the Sooners, but. If I if I'm putting money down right now, I think you're looking at a three seed. The ceiling is a two seed, and I think, depending on how things shake out, obviously that's a whole other conversation. But I think you're looking at an elite 18.
1: Yeah, I would I'd pay them at about three, and I would also I. It's just it's so hard for me to be like. Yeah, this is no-brainer in Elite Eight team or Final Four because of some of the things we're talking about, the the, the offensive struggles at times. Now, I definitely do think that this team has the talent to go to the Elite Eight, just like you, Parker. I'm also just someone, like you mentioned, and it's a great point, like if you are a team that goes into the tournament, even if you play stifling defense – the moment a couple of shots fall for the other squad and you can't match, you're looking at the first round upset. Like we've seen that so many times, even with like Duke in years past, I mean, CJ
2: McCollum would like
1: a word. Exactly. Like, uh, I mean, I remember what was it? middle Tennessee pulled off that awesome upset over Michigan state. And everyone's like, this guy dude named giddy Potts is just nailing three point shots <laughs> from the perimeter. And it's like, that's what happens to, to teams that kind of get in positions like Oklahoma. So I feel like this is a squad based on talent is definitely in that elite eight range, but also you see the talented teams that aren't always hitting their shots go down relatively early, early in the tourney. So I, that's kind of the ceiling I have them at. I would probably realistic expectation, say sweet 16, but I don't know, man. I, I think it's going to be a wild ride in the, whenever March
2: madness rolls around. Perfect example of that phenomenon, Colin, Virginia plays the best defense in the nation year in and year out. 2018, they got bounced in the first round by a 16 seed for the first time in history. 2019, they won the national title.
1: Exactly.
0: Well said. Yeah, those are great analogies. I was going to throw out the, uh, and I know Villanova, Oklahoma was like a a weird deal because in 2016, they played each other in the Maui Classic. Y'all remember that? And OU Mm -hmm. just laid it into them. I mean, Mm -hmm. they demolished them. I think OU beat them by 30. Well, you get to the Final Four, and everybody's thinking, oh, well, this is going to be a good matchup. Oklahoma killed them the first time. They were hot. OU's playing toe-to-toe with them the first two, 10 minutes of the game, and then all of a sudden it was like somebody put a bubble on top of the 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 goal and everything just would not go in. And everybody, it was like they, they just put a big basket in front of the Villanova, whichever side Villanova was shooting in. Everything was just going in for them. Uh, And they get blown out. And that's kind of, that's the NCAA tournament in its essence. The hot team goes on. The team that can't shoot doesn't. And there's no, oh, well, the defense saved us type of deal. When you get in the NCAA tournament, you're talking about the best 64 teams, 65 teams in the country. And defense sometimes can't save you. You can play great defense, but that one shot that you missed matters more than anything else. And it's just a shot, but it matters so much because those teams are so talented and so well coached and so, so good that all it takes is a shot or a turnover and your day is ruined. That's, that's the NCAA tournament at its core. And that's why you see so many of these upsets. And I mean, Oklahoma with Trey young had, Great shooting. They had Manic. They had Trey. Uh, They had who else was on that team? I'm trying to think real quick. They could shoot. Um, Christian James. Christian James could light it up. I mean, they. But they got cold, and Rhode Island did not. (laughs) They were out. So uh, that was a double overtime game, too, if I remember correctly. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's that simple. It's that simple. So I'm with you. I think a three seed. Is where it's at for Oklahoma most likely. I mean, they could be a four seed if they get ousted early in the Big 12 tournament, uh, but most likely they're going to be a three seed uh, as long as they keep playing the way they're playing right now. Uh, and I'm kind of with you guys, I can see a lead eight, but I'm going to stop. I'm going to say they're a sweet 16 team with the potential of being a final four team. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, they if they get hot they could be a final 14 team because they're so good defensively. But if they get cold at any juncture, they could be gone. I mean, they have the they have the ability to be a sweet 16 team no matter what. They have the ability also to play for a national title. It all depends on if they make shots. You know, they're going to bring it defensively, but if they don't make the buckets, sometimes that defense can you can hold a team under 75, but if you're scoring 60, you're going to lose. I mean, yeah, that's just the, that's just the facts. So I think it's all going to depend on. I think Austin Reeves is your is the key. is Is he going to be hitting his shots? And he can do it in a lot of different ways. I don't care if he's not making threes. Is he going to be able to get to the basket? Is he going to be able to get to the free throw line? He's the key to me. In my opinion, he is the key. Him and Harkless are the guys that have to be able to score in double digits for Oklahoma to make it make a run.
2: Yeah. I think, well, I think Harkless is going to get his, he's the type of guy that's going to step out on the court and you know what you're getting. I think it's the same thing with Emoja Gibson. You can expect him to step on the floor every night and he'll hit four or five, three pointers and keep your offense in a game is exactly, (laughs) exactly. As we saw against West Virginia, as we saw against Texas tech, he's a guy that can pick up your offense when other guys shots aren't falling. Really for me, the X factor is Brady Manning because the guy hasn't hit That's more fair. than three three-pointers in a single game since the season opener. He's been cold from downtown. Let's just call it like it is. And Yamoji Gibson has been shooting it really well. Davion Harmon has been a revelation in terms of scoring. Yeah. Austin Reeves is doing his thing at the floor general, but if Manic can find that touch from downtown... That's what's going to put the offense over the top. That's what's going to help compensate for those times when guys like Reeves and Harmon aren't able to get to the bucket with regularity and their shots aren't falling. If you got two guys in Manic and Gibson that can keep your offense in a game by virtue of the three point shot, that puts you in a really good position to make a deep run.
0: I agree. I agree. I also think that the 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 play of uh Jalen is it is Jalen Hill. I think he's I think he is. He's crucial. Cause sometimes he's there and sometimes he's not, like mentally. Like I feel like he's just like absent sometimes. I mean, if y'all noticed that, like it's just feels I, like, yeah, you know, he's he's there, but he's not there.
2: I think it's we got a little bit of the same case with Victor Iwakor. Those are two guys oh, that yeah. Uh, yeah. when they're contributing, Oklahoma's doing well. When they're invisible, they tend to scuffle.
0: Yeah. No. Perfect. And I think Jalen Hill needs to he he's he's so hesitant when he gets the ball down low right now. I think that's a big problem. He's gotta be more aggressive and just go and do it. Like it's like he f I feel like he pump fakes every time he thinks somebody's gonna block him. Like, dude, you're six foot seven. Dunk the ball. It's not that hard. Jump up and dunk. I don't know if he's I don't know if he's that uh I don't know if he has the explosiveness enough to do that type of stuff though. Do you you question that, Colin? Like, do you question, like, his his explosiveness?
1: So, Jalen Hill's whole thing coming in was he was a very high-level defender, especially on the perimeter. He has some of those hustle points you typically want on the floor. Yeah. But from an offensive side of things, he was never necessarily someone you felt like could just – take over a game when yeah. he's on and I've, mm-hmm. I've been at practices where that guy hits three ball after three ball after three ball. And you're like, Holy hell, who is this guy? But I like, especially kind of the explosive around the rim play that you're talking about just never really necessarily been a strength is now he could, he could turn things around. He's still a really young player. I think people are forgetting that him and Vic are still very young guys, but not really part of his, his, basket of tricks right now. And that's okay. But I mean, he's just got to be a little bit more consistent.
0: Agreed. Well, let's, let's, let's move on uh, and finish this podcast up uh, real quickly. I get fans asking me this question all the time on Twitter, on board, doesn't matter. And we haven't talked about big cat and there's not much to say about big cat. It's still in limbo. There's a reason why he hasn't been picked up by any other schools. There's just stuff going on that need to be resolved before he can get into Oklahoma, Tennessee, back into Auburn all that stuff. But anyways, uh, so that's your big cat update. But I get asked this question all the time. Who's going to be the next commitment? Who's going to be the next commitment for Oklahoma? All right, guys. I'm going to ask you who's going to be the next commitment and kind of give a time frame, a general time frame of when you think the commit might happen. tough.
1: So I know we did something very similar to this last time, but it was more of like a projection.
0: Yeah. Like the, the f- next three we
1: yeah. felt confident in. And I mean, I'm just going to circle back to the guy that I brought up on that podcast. That was kind of maybe a surprise at the time and Demetrius Hunter. And look, like Bill Biedenbeau has done a hell of a job with this recruitment, not only identifying that kid, but pursuing him and making sure that he understands kind of the the projection for him at the next level. And from what I've heard, I mean, Hunter is in a very good spot with Oklahoma right now. And the big issue for him is he really wanted to visit in April. And if that visit had taken place, I've been led to believe that things could accelerate quickly. That being said, obviously that's off the table right now, but I still do feel like kind of that April frame is where you could see something pop if Oklahoma continues this kind of pursuit. So I feel like Demetrius is someone who's really, it's Oklahoma in the field right now. And knowing that, I feel like he could be the next guy in terms of Domino's falling.
2: I didn't want to steal your thunder there with Demetrius hunter Khan because I knew that's where you were going. But uh, as we were kind of mentioning earlier, uh, I think this is the kind of year where just based on the dead period, based on the circumstances, we're not going to see as many commitments early in the cycle as we typically do. So it's tough to project right now. Uh, I'll give give a pretty safe answer, but one that I think is probably going to end up being correct one way or another, uh, Jacob Sexton out of Edmund Deer Creek, who just dropped his top five last week. We know he's got Oklahoma ties. He's an Oklahoma kid. He seems like the kind of guy that wants to stay close to home. As you saw both Oklahoma and Oklahoma state in his top five, I think Oklahoma state's more of a smoke screen. Look, He's going to end up at Oklahoma. Jacob Sexton is going to be a sooner. I'm confident making that assertion. That's why I have a high confidence crystal ball in for Sexton. Uh, I think he could pull the trigger sooner than just about anybody else. I will say one guy that we barely touched on, uh, but that we should mention uh, in a little more detail is Chase Biddle, whom all three of us put in crystal balls for Oklahoma for that guy within the past week. Colin, you want to jump in here?
1: I've I've got something.
2: And uh, so Chase is a great kid
1: and the Garland high school squad is, is outstanding, but I I'm going to, as we drop the promo that Brandon's going to bring up here in a second, I'm going to drop a story tomorrow on chase and look, everyone has reason to be excited regarding Oklahoma, but I would also tell you right now to t- temper your expectations to a degree. Exactly. Because they without diving into it too much, because I want our VIP members to be rewarded, there is reason to believe that a storm might be coming regarding the Biddle situation. And I will have more on that soon. I do love where Oklahoma is in terms of Jordan Hudson being much more aggressive in pursuing him. And also, obviously, Oklahoma's staff trying to get on that relationship as well. But at the same time, mm-hmm. there could be something that takes place here probably the next few weeks that will shake up maybe the DFW recruiting scene. And it also has definitely a lot to do with Chase Biddle specifically. And I'll dive into that likely tomorrow or today as you listen to this.
2: Yeah. And I'm, I'm fairly certain I know where that's going. And some of our VIPs may know where it's going as well. But uh, again, I do like where Oklahoma sits with Biddle. He tweeted a graphic earlier today of him in an Oklahoma uniform that was sent out to a number of prospects granted. uh, But uh, he captioned it Boomer Sooner with a heart. So there's some love there. <laughs> um, but, you know, Chase Biddle, uh, obviously, given his relationship with Jordan Hudson, uh, there's reason to believe that he could end up at Oklahoma. And that's why I put my crystal ball in. Uh, we'll see what happens with that situation going forward. But m- as of right now, my prediction is Sexton.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I do think that Sexton will probably want to take a couple of visits, though, before he does it. Um, unless Oklahoma. Kind of pushes that along a little bit. I could see him, you know, hopping in uh, a little bit faster than that. I, I'm not 100% on that. That's just kind of my gut there from talking to his family and talking to him. Um, I, I'm going to go with Gavin Sachuk uh, because, you know, you got Relique on board. And depending on how you want to look at it, and depending on how OU wants to push that out, as far as how they recruit the other running backs. I mean, they can, they, they, they have ammo, you know? Um, I think eventually he's going to hop on board uh, and ironic, ironic enough. I mean, I'm going to get to see Javante Barnes here in the next couple of days. I have a funny feeling that he could be on. I don't want to say committed to OU. I think Oklahoma sits really well and I think he could visit fairly soon, like by April-ish, May-ish, even with everything shut down. um, That was kind of his thing uh, several weeks ago when we discussed it. So um, uh, I think maybe that's still in play potentially. So we'll see. But uh, I think the running back position could be done by July at Oklahoma. Agreed. And I think... I think Gavin saw and Javante Barnes have a really good shot of being those two guys that fill that position. I'm saying I've been saying it. Javante Barnes. That's the number one back in this
2: class. I stand by that. Parker's a big Javante Barnes guy. He's
0: really good. I can't wait to see him in person this weekend. Um, anyways, Hey fans, fans, thank you for listening to this. Uh, obviously we have to close out and, pay a few bills real quick. Um, we're doing that promo. You're going to, it's going to be going on by the time you're listening to this podcast, it will be going on right now. Um, so it is 50% off. 50% off. OU insider. And that means not only do you get to get, to get do you get to listen to, OU you not listen, you can listen. Uh, do you get to peruse? OU insider ask Colin Parker, myself, Joey questions, All you want, get VIP information, be in the know, uh, breaking stories, videos, uh, this podcast, obviously even though it's free, um, notes every single day from all three of us, whether it's VIP, free, what have you, most of the time it's VIP. Uh, So you're going to get those every single day and you're going to get multiple of them every single day. Uh, You get the VIP chat with me as well. Um, We're going to be traveling around the country. Parker calling myself will be all over the place over the next five, six months, whether it's Florida, DC, Louisiana, Texas, California, Arizona, Nevada. If there's a Nebraska, if there's an Oklahoma target and Missouri, if there's an Oklahoma target, we're going to be face to face with them at some point in time here in the next six months. So we're going to have the ins and outs of everything for you guys. You're going to be the first to know about everything. Um, and I didn't even mention Atlanta. I mentioned Atlanta, Georgia, with Oklahoma offering so many guys down there in the Atlanta area. So, uh, and having the number one guy in the country in 2023 being an OE legacy uh, in Levius, Overton. Uh, but, anyways, we're going to have all that stuff for you guys. And you're going to be able to have not just that, you're going to be able to look at all of the VIP stuff, whether it's a Texas site, whether it's the Ohio state site, whether it's the Texas A&M or Oklahoma state, you can go look and see what the rivals of Oklahoma are doing. Um, How how is their recruiting going? You get all this stuff, all 250 sites half off right now. So $50, 56 bucks or something like that. You're going to get a year's worth of OU insider, two, four, seven sports, VIP insider information, all at your disposal. And on top of that, you're going to get Paramount Plus. But wait, but, there's more. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Uh, <laughs> there, you're going to get Paramount Plus, which is CBS All Access with Paramount now adding on to everything. You're going to get uh, live sporting events. You're going to get the uh, anything you want as far as CBS, Viacom, networks, all that stuff, MTV, Comedy Central, Uh, you're going to be able to stream all those episodes, all those series that you love, and you can watch live sports, the news, movies, everything. You're going to get that. It's $12.99 a month, but you don't have to pay for anything because the second you pay for OU Insider and 247 Sports for that one year, you get Paramount Plus app and all that stuff for you to be able to do on your app apple uh android your computer all that stuff will be at your disposal to do whatever you want to do so it's a great deal and something i highly suggest you jump on board with because we don't get to do that often if you're already a member in your month to month you can upgrade and get all that stuff as well so uh this is a great deal hop on board 50 something bucks. So he's going to get you OU insider, all two, four, seven sports plus Paramount plus all your disposable, And uh, it's a great deal. You got me calling Parker, Brian, everybody, Joey, every day. OU insider, answering questions, putting notes up insider, team notes, basketball, recruiting, everything that people, if you're on Twitter, you don't get, you don't get it anywhere else. Facebook, but you do get it. ouinsider.com. So join us. And also thank you all for listening to this podcast. You guys have any last words?
1: I mean, guys, like by the time you sign up, I know the weekend after this, uh, Brandon and maybe even Parker will be out at the championship seven on seven tournament in Tulsa. Yes, believe that's the so. plan. And yep. I plan on going to a tournament down in Houston that same weekend. So like yep. you're going to sign up and immediately get just an influx of information what? from Two huge recruiting tournaments that weekend. What
0: tournaments in Houston that weekend?
1: I believe that's a Pylon event down
0: in. in that's Houston. a Pylon. So yeah, i I'll, uh, I'll be at Pylon this weekend, the, the national Mecca tournament, the, the Mecca, and uh, we'll be at uh, Bishop Gorman as well to see all their top prospects and uh, exactly. maybe some Permatte so, like, Barnes.
1: I'm telling you, like the moment you sign up, not only do you get Permount Plus, I mean, all three of us are going to be out on the trail immediately, giving you information. Yep. So. I'm telling you right now like it's it's going to pay off the instant you sign up so go ahead and capitalize on this now you won't regret it
0: yeah and then, and then we have colin parker is going to be up in nebraska checking out uh who's it caden helms and uh who else evan jackson's Devin another Jackson. kid well he'll
2: be at the championship seven yeah. on seven in tulsa
0: Yeah, so we're going to have that. I'll be down in the DFW area, checking out some guys with Colin. Um, Be back up in Southern Oklahoma, checking out some guys down to New Orleans, then to Florida, Georgia, D.C. I mean, we're going to be everywhere. Colin's going to be places. Parker's going to be places. I'm going to be places. And we're going to have notes for you guys, all Sooners targets, all the time. uh, And we're going to be ahead of the game. We're trying to make sure you guys are glued in to all the top recruits, whether it's 2022, 23 or 24. And you guys are in the know when it comes to that, not only that, all the team notes that we're going to drop spring balls right around the corner as well. You do not want to miss spring ball stuff. This is going to be a big year. The 2021 class is coming in and Oklahoma is buying for a national title. Probably the best team they've had since 2008. So sign up and also thank y'all for listening guys. Anything else, anything else,
1: we're be are out there thinking everyone impacted yep. by all these power outages and, and yep. winter storms, be safe, do what you can to help out everyone else. And we appreciate y'all listening.
0: Yep. Thank y'all so much. Uh, thank y'all for listening to the OU insider 247 under the visor Sooners podcast. You guys have a blessed night.